0: In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. We want to thank HEV for making today's podcast possible. HEV makes it a priority to get involved and make a difference in the lives of friends and neighbors. HEB Operation Appreciation is a company-wide campaign created to honor the brave men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces, men and women who are HEB partners and customers, friends, and family. Operation Appreciation partners with organizations like us, the Military Child Education Coalition that supports U.S. troops and their families. In contributing time, talent, and financial support, HEB recognizes and appreciates the dedication and sacrifices service members make on behalf of the nation. So for our listeners in Texas, check out one of your neighborhood H-E-B grocery stores. And H-E-B, thank you for sponsoring this podcast for the sake of the child. Welcome everyone to our podcast for the sake of the child. This is Tara Gleason and I'm the producer, but this week you're going to hear from Louise Webb, who is our Military Child Education Coalition parent programs, master parent educator, and she's also a supervisor. And she's going to be meeting with Claire Wood. And Claire is a proud military spouse. She's also a homeschooling mom. She's a writer and a podcaster. And she calls home anywhere the Army sends her. So you're really going to want to listen in all the way to the end because she has some great advice for those of us, if you're like me, that have been schooling our kids at home over the last couple of months uh, due to COVID-19. This interview actually took place back in February before we were all at home. But I feel like. So much of this interview still applies to us today the other thing i wanted to share with you is some new information that just came out today or at least came across my desk today for all our army families and this came from the army emergency relief and there's some guidance called homeschooling assistance program so as a result of school closings due to the covid 19 some army parents have been managing educational needs of their children through homeschool programs and some of these families may have experienced financial hardship and some difficulty paying for those additional costs associated with purchasing homeschool supplies and equipment so this guidance is going to offer some support to those eligible families who may need that it could be in the form of a loan a grant or a combination of both of those and there's a second form that really outlines what those items are that qualify for this. So I do want you to check the show notes. You definitely could check with your Army Community Services and they're going to be able to provide you more information or your chain of command on accessing the Homeschooling Assistance Program. Thank you everyone for joining us today and I hope you enjoy our podcast.
1: So with me today is Claire Wood and she is kind enough to join our podcast and that we're gonna talk about homeschooling. So Claire, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your family?
2: Absolutely, Uh, my name is Claire Wood and I am a military spouse married to my husband Ryan. We have been married, gosh, almost 18 years and we have been on active duty going on nine. We have three children, Thomas, a 10th grader, May, an 8th grader, and Kate, a 6th grader and I was one of those reluctant moms who said I probably would never homeschool, but look, look at me now, here I am. We're in our eighth year doing it, and um, we've had some, some good years, and we've had some years where we've had to really just keep plugging away and staying the course. Uh, in my free time outside of homeschooling, I like to say that I am a Jill of all trades and a master of none. I uh, write, I like to read, I like to cook, Uh, I have a book that's out called Mission Ready Marriage and I'm currently working on a project called Milspo Gurus where I have a weekly podcast with my partner Kelly called Advice Not Given.
1: I have a quick question for you right off the bat, Claire. uh, How did you choose to homeschool your kids? Well, it's really funny because as a teacher and
2: a big fan of public school, I actually said that I would never homeschool my kids. (laughs) So (laughs) coming to that decision was a a big opportunity for me to eat my own words. I can tell you that when my husband transitioned into active duty, he's a chaplain, and so we were a little bit older and a little bit later in life when we came in. There were so many decisions to make about this huge transition from civilian life to military life. We were moving 24 hours across the country, far removed from extended family and all of our support systems, trying to figure out which house to buy, which school zone to live in. And I just kept coming back to the thought, maybe homeschooling temporarily is the right thing for my kids, who at the time were second grade, kindergarten, and preschool. And so I always say I went into it kicking and screaming because I was one of these people that thought it just wasn't really a valid choice. But we we kind of embraced it wholeheartedly with that first duty assignment and have since taken it year by year. And it's been such a wonderful blessing to our family
1: ever since. And how many years has your family been homeschooled?
2: We're in our eighth year right now. We did seven consecutive years pulled out for one year to do a private school here at our current assignment. I taught school and my kids attended and then we came back to homeschooling this year. So we're in our eighth year.
1: Oh, that's pretty neat. How many times have you transitioned with your kids doing homeschooling? And when you did transition, Does your military family know you've done this? What did you do when you got to your new community as far as getting connected? Do you have any advice for our listeners about that?
2: I certainly do, and I can tell you that I don't wait until I arrive to get connected. Actually, that's the beautiful thing about this day and age that we live in. As soon as I know our next duty assignment, whether that's through our RFO or once we get official orders, and we know where we're heading my first step is to become an investigator. I get online, I Google, I look up homeschooling in, the, in my Google search paired with the area we're heading to. I start following Facebook groups and really just try to take in every bit of information that I can have access to to start kind of building out in my mind how homeschooling is gonna look in each place. I can tell you that many groups, uh, I'll give you as an example, we were headed to Augusta, Georgia in 2014. They have a phenomenal home educators program there. I was able to go ahead and connect with their homeschool education association, joined that, had access to hundreds of families in the area who helped point us toward co-ops, toward homeschool sports, toward scouting you name it. So that's been a really valuable thing is to just look before you go. And then once we get to a place, oftentimes I start connecting with other friends through Facebook who I know homeschool, or I may have a homeschool friend in another state that, connect me to, that can connect me to a homeschool mom where we're headed. And again, that's one thing about homeschool moms, they are a wealth of resources and information in and of themselves. So I'd say word of mouth and then just Googling and figuring out you know, where we're headed and what that area has to offer.
1: I love how you said that you reach out to moms that you already knew because of the military. My husband's retired from the military. We've moved and lived all over. And here at the MSEC, a lot of times we just call it the mom network where you reach right. out to people that you know. So it sounds like homeschooling has their you. own Yeah, has their own mom network, too. I love that.
2: We, as homeschool moms, we have to rely so heavily on that because in many cases we're kind of figuring this out on our own. It's not like we go to the school board website, or just enroll our kids in a school, we're having to create that educational climate for our kids. And I say, I'm having to create a lot of the social opportunities for my kids, it's all on me. So we homeschool moms, we stick together in that. So just wanna add that in.
1: I love that. I think that's awesome. This is kind of along those same lines about how do you access information about local and state laws or policies? Because we, we do know that every state has their own rules and regulations for homeschooling, which, of course, you know because you've moved so much already. So is there? what do you do when you get to a new location about that?
2: Same thing ahead of time before we go. I just start Googling what the homeschool laws are or the homeschool requirements per state. So for example, in Georgia, you simply go to the Georgia State Department website, Department of Education, and you fill out a form declaring your intent to homeschool. Here in Louisiana, where I am now, same exact thing. And there are some organizations that can help put you on to the right right track and make sure, because other states, there are some more rigorous and strenuous requirements like joining in under an umbrella association, or some states even require proof of standardized testing every year, or some states you have to turn in a portfolio of your students' work. So one helpful resource that um, many people use is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, and that is a nonprofit advocacy organization that helps to not only defend our constitutional rights to homeschool, their website's just full of state-by-state resources to help steer you in the right direction.
1: Oh, that's great. That, that's pretty, pretty awesome that that organization is out there and can help you guys. So switching a little bit to curriculum. So I was wondering, how do you decide on a curriculum, even if any, if you're using any curriculum at all? And how did that change from when you started eight years ago to how you're using or not using curriculum now?
2: Right, well that's a very loaded question and I know every homeschool parent has, you know, they could speak, speak at length on that topic, but as somebody with a teaching background, I feel like I came into this already knowing that there would be a scope and sequence, there would be objectives to be met every year, there would be benchmarks to watch for. Um, but I also knew as a teacher that part of figuring those things out and implementing those was something that I actually enjoyed. So there is a wide range of homeschool curricula and products that are offered for the parent who may have no teacher training and may not want to be thinking up lesson plans or implementing projects. You can literally go online and buy an entire school year's worth of curriculum for like let's say fourth grade. You can spend the money, pay for the curriculum, it all gets sent to you. In our family, we have done a little bit different model. I tend to be a Charlotte Mason. Homeschooler, but I bring in some classical education uh, elements as well. And so as many homeschool moms do as the years progress, you kind of piece together a very eclectic mix of different curricula. For us, I am always willing to spend money on an expensive math curriculum that my kids can do on the computer because I don't enjoy math. And that's one thing that I can, I can pay a little more and give them the flexibility and the independence to work uh, autonomously or some other subjects I don't spend much at all, for example, literature. A lot of years we've selected books from the library and built out a curriculum in that way. So it really just depends on what resources you have in terms of the time you have available to devote to it, the resources of money, how much you may be willing to spend to, to purchase you know, expensive or less expensive, uh, less expensive items. So for us, uh, there have been a few areas that we have stuck with the same company or the same brand, particularly math and science, but then we've gotten to explore with some other curricula
1: through the years. I think that's great advice, especially like you said, math wasn't necessarily, you know, something that you wanted to do, so you were willing to go kind of like the extra mile to get that information to help your kids. So I think that's a good rule of thumb for people to realize. I like math, but I think the literature part, if it were me, I'd have to get some help on that. So everybody's different, as you said. (laughs) They
2: are. And I would like to add in on that, too. I mean, one of the other reasons we have stuck with homeschooling all these years is I am able to tailor that curriculum not only to my kids' academic abilities. I've also been able to tailor it to their interests. And we have been able to utilize literally the geographical areas we have lived in as part of our curriculum and as part of our school day by traveling to national parks, traveling to local museums, uh, zoos, all kinds of of things like that. And so that's the beauty of homeschooling. You can let your kids work ahead. If you need to slow down and and slow things down or stop and redirect, uh, you've got the freedom and flexibility to do that. And so that's been one, one reason we've loved it but it also factors into the
1: curriculum we, we use. That's good advice, thanks. So along those lines of learning different subjects, have you ever, has your family ever participated in a co-op?
2: We have, we have done co-ops. With the exception of where we live now, we have done a co-op at every duty assignment. And I would say that, again, the longer you homeschool, the more you begin to recognize what works and what doesn't work in your family. And there are some seasons of life where maybe it's hard to get out of the house to be committed to a co-op. But then in other seasons, maybe it's the most important thing that you do all week is get out and fellowship with other families. We have done co-ops that have ranged from very rigorous and very academic to uh, fine arts co-ops, to co-ops that are literally just getting together to hang out and do fun things. I remember the very first one we did when my kids were little, One kid was in a Lego class. One kid was in a paper airplane making class. One was in a music class. So that's the the neat thing about co-ops is as homeschooling is becoming more popular, the variety of what different co-ops offer has grown as well.
1: Oh, I love that. So I kind of guess maybe the same thing you do for a co-op when you get to a new place is do your research probably ahead of time. Right. Yeah. That's probably the best advice for most people. But I love how there's things out there, especially the fun stuff like the Legos and the paper planes, and that's neat. That's fun for kids. Are you aware of any free – you talked a little bit about curricula, and some of them are costly and some aren't so much. But are you familiar with any free or minimal cost resources that can be helpful to other homeschool families? And because you're military and we – speak a lot to military families due to our relationship with them. Are you familiar with any military discounted curricula?
2: I don't know about military discounts per se, but I can tell you that one resource that we have utilized, gosh, everywhere we've been, is my kids always have been involved in a homeschool PE class, a physical education class that's been provided on the installations through CYS, Child and Youth Services, they're in one now, and you would think at their ages there, I have a 10th, 8th, and 6th grader, and you're maybe thinking like, gosh, that's kind of old to be going to a PE class. I will tell you there's probably 25 middle school and high school kids in their weekly PE class here at Fort Polk. And um, so that's been a huge blessing. We do pay a very nominal fee for that here. I believe it's $10 per child per month that we have participated in other programming. I know at Fort Jackson and at Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas, a weekly, very, very well organized, very well run homeschool PE programs that have been free through CYS. And we love that because not only is it, you know, an opportunity to get out and to have physical you know, exercise, but it's a great way to connect with our local installation people who, are also homeschooling. And so it's been a great thing for my kids here. They've connected with a lot of their, their friends through that class.
1: Well, and then with military, you know, we tend to live in the same place again at a different time. So they may even reconnect. Your younger kids may even reconnect with older kids if they're still homeschooling when you go back to school. Right. Yes, Yeah, I love that. Right. Yeah, that's and a great I'll, I'll resource. And another
2: thing. Another thing, too, and this hasn't necessarily been for the kids as much as it's been for me, that I have been a part of at other places, a a regularly meeting, maybe monthly homeschool mom's night out. And when we got here, there was nothing like that. And we, those of us who homeschool, like we can get kind of, you know, we we kind of spend out on our kids all day. We're with them all day. Uh, Sometimes it can be difficult to kind of give yourself an opportunity to just get out and and be separate from your kids. And so uh, several months ago I started a group here and that costs zero dollars. It's just a, a monthly meetup of homeschool moms. We usually have 10 or 12 ladies. We come, we have coffee and dessert and we just hang out. And so I would say one other bit of advice is yes, obviously do right by your kids, get them everything that they need. But as the homeschool mom, the educator, the one that's like spending a lot of your time and energy on this, give yourself something too. So um, maybe look for that in each area you live in, a night to to fellowship or connect, a way to connect with other moms.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for that. I think that's awesome that you felt you could go ahead and start a group like that. So hopefully that will give some other moms, you know, give them a little boost if they feel like they're missing that at a new duty station that they can go ahead and, and take that on cuz I've not homeschooled but I could see being home all day with kids, you know, you got to get out sometimes. So offering that for right. other other parents is is a great opportunity that you can do that. You mentioned earlier that you did do one year of a private school. So, would you care to share, did you have any challenges with that? Did it go well? How did the kids do? Anything like that you might like to offer some advice to some of our listeners?
2: Absolutely. Well, I can tell you, I called it our seven-year itch. We had homeschooled for seven years and I felt like we were all just needing a completely different experience. We were kind of cooped up. And so I thought, you know, this is a really great opportunity. It was a small private Christian school. They offered me a job, so it was very easy transition. I was gonna be with my kids still each day, just not teaching them directly. And I, I honestly, as a teacher, I wanted to see how my kids experience homeschooling could translate back into a traditional classroom. I wanted to see, is this kinda out of the box Charlotte Mason's eclectic homeschooling we've done, how how does that translate back to sitting in a desk all day, taking tests, being part of a classroom, having multiple teachers, and I can tell you that it went fabulously. All of my kids excelled academically, they excelled socially, they jumped right in and participated in all the extracurriculars that the school offered, and they they actually really, really had a great year. Part of why we came back out of that school, we thought we were moving earlier than we actually ended up moving, and as much as we loved that opportunity, we still felt like we were a little limited in helping our kids meet their potential. Um, one thing about traditional school that I guess I've kind of forgotten during that year was that unfortunately, in a, a classroom where one teacher is responsible for 20, 30 children, it, it, you know, they they sometimes have to teach to the middle. And one thing we have enjoyed about homeschooling is that is that as our kids reach a new uh, level academically, we're able to push them on to the next level, or they're able to go on to the next level. So. That was also a reason we wanted them to keep pushing further and keep keep working a little harder instead of being kind of forced into, well, you're in eighth grade, so you have to take eighth grade math when you're actually already ready for algebra. You've taken pre-algebra when you homeschooled. So we had kind of missed that flexibility, and that was the reason we, we came back out. But I can tell you we're moving for real this time. And we are headed somewhere that my kids are going to have the option to be part of a, a Dodea school. And so we're looking to transition them again. And having done the year at the private school, I'm very confident that this new transition will be met with just as much excitement and excellence.
1: Oh, well, good for you. I'm glad it's working out so well. So you mentioned you have a 10th grader. So mm-hmm. I don't, 10th grade's a little early, but have you had any experience with a high schooler taking? courses like partial enrollment courses at a public school other I mean I know you were in the private school but have they ever done that you know how some kids can take some classes at a public school I didn't know if you had any experience with that so
2: we live in a very small community with just a few schools and they it's my understanding here that like I do think kids are allowed on paper by law to participate in sports but I know that historically they have not actually been allowed to. I can't speak to the inclusion of homeschool kids taking academic courses. I can tell you my son has done dual enrollment classes on his own through a liberal arts college in the area. And so he actually has, let's see, he has nine hours of college credit as a sophomore right now from doing dual enrollment. So that's been through colleges, not necessarily through other K-12.
1: Oh, well, that's good information. Yeah, that's great information. Well, wow, that's going to save you a lot of money down the road. <laughs> Maybe, Let's yeah. Let's hope, right? So, one right. question um that we that I have for you. I you know, a lot of times this is probably more for a family that's thinking about starting out with homeschooling is if they wonder about their kids and their socialization and how they engage with others. You've touched on a bunch of this already, but I was wondering if you had any more suggestions that you could help some families in this area. And it doesn't have to be a new family looking at homeschooling. It could even be, you know, somebody that's in maybe a remote area. So do you have any tips for that?
2: I do. And I actually love this question because I think, and and I'm even guilty of, of this overgeneralization of what homeschoolers look like myself years and years ago, but a lot of us have this impression that homeschoolers, man, they're those weird kids. They're those kids that never get out. They're the, the, the strange kids. <laughs> and to that I say, they're strange public school kids. There are strange private school kids. Uh, a lot of times that has less to do with the school and more to do with the home, right? Like these kids, these weird kids are products of weird parents. Uh, So (laughs) what I would say really and truly to that is, I remember our third year homeschooling. I had somebody mention to me, uh, you know, they meant well, but they were like, but how do your kids get socialized? And I actually sat down that year and I wrote out all of the different environments my kids were in that school year. And I added up, or I kind of compared, If they were in public school in fourth grade, they would have one teacher in a classroom of 25 kids. My third or fourth grader had a PE coach with 40 kids in his PE class. He had a golf coach with 25 different kids in his golf class. He had a music teacher with an even different group of kids in music. He had a church teacher with even a different set of kids at church. And so it was kind of like, you know, my kids actually are probably more socialized as homeschoolers than they would be in this room with just 25 other fourth graders. And I think that's one thing I have loved and I have seen everywhere we've lived. My kids don't just end up stuck with peers that are exactly the same age. They're constantly in groups with older sisters, younger brothers, all ages. They're able to interact very easily with adults with Lending a helping hand to the little kid in the neighborhood who wants to come shoot basketball with you. It's really created this ability in them to socialize beyond just their age group. And I have loved that because that's the real world, really, right? Like, we don't go to jobs, we don't go to jobs where we just work with people who are in the same socioeconomic class that we're in and they're all our age, right? My job, I'm not just working with a bunch of 43 year old women. So I think that's a great life skill that I think a lot of people overlook or they just assume like, oh, homeschooler, you're in your cave at home, never seeing the light of day. And, And I also joke, like we have had years that I've said to my kids like, hey, we've got to quit being so involved in all these things so we can be at home to homeschool (laughs) because there's (laughs) so many opportunities in some places. You have to really almost watch how how social they become.
1: I bet. Your example was perfect. I loved how you sat down and you wrote down exactly what your kids do, and then you get tired looking at the list and how active they are and how many people they're interacting with. And I did like the analogy of the workplace because – you know, we are all ages in a workplace. Right. We're not in a in a school. You know, your a teacher has third graders. You know, and that's right. They're around third graders all day till recess or lunch maybe. So that's a great right. great suggest great suggestions and tips. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. So I have one last question uh, for families who are considering the route of homeschooling. We, we love to hear this. Do you have any final advice or a story that you'd like to share or maybe something you wished you knew when you started that now, eight years later, you know, has helped you be the best homeschool mom you can be?
2: That's a great question. I love that. Um, I have two. So the first would be take it one day at a time. That's my first bit of advice. I think when some of us feel drawn to homeschooling, whether it's just a natural choice or whether it's reacting to maybe a situation where we're wanting to pull our kids from a public school or traditional school, it can be very overwhelming. And you think, oh gosh, I'm taking this on. I'm gonna have to do this until they graduate high school. And that's just not true. Um, we, we reevaluate every single year, and we commit to just doing it for the, the current year we're in, and then we look at it again. And even within that, I don't have to wake up today and implement an entire school year, an entire 180 days worth of learning. I just need to show up and do today. (laughs) So that's my first bit of advice, is take it one day at a time. My second bit of advice is for all the people who think, man, Claire, that sounds really nice, and it sounds like you and your family have enjoyed doing it. I just don't think I could homeschool my kids. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I hear that a lot, and to that I would say, yes, you can, you can do it. Number one, nobody knows your kids better than you know them, and you may be thinking that yeah, we fight all the time and we argue all the time, and to that I would say yes, homeschooling does shine a light on any, any issues you may have in parenting, but it's a perfect opportunity to work through them. Your kids are gonna be your kids for life, and so any time you spend investing and growing and nurturing them and parenting them and educating them, will have a great reward so i would just say take it a day at a time and yes you can do it final words
1: (laughs) they are great pieces of advice i think that's super smart especially the one day at a time and you know in our organization we we always tell parents that they absolutely know their kids the best so i think you're right they're gonna they might a new person might be thinking oh, i can't do it but they do know their child best and it's good advice for them to to go ahead and give it a try, and like you said, it doesn't have to be permanent. It might be something they do for a short term, or maybe it is for the long haul. So we hope if that's what they decide to do, it's the best for their family. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate all of your great information. Thank you for having me
0: if you want to hear more from claire i urge you to check out her weekly podcast called advice not given and that can be found on any of your favorite podcast player if you want to learn more about homeschooling we actually had a clip with claire for one of our parent-to-parent webinars called homeschooling and the military family and you can find that at our website at www.militarychild.org backslash webinars so definitely check that out if you want to learn a little bit more about homeschooling I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.